Amen. I want to just, uh, before we uh, get into uh, the word this morning, John 20 is where we're going to be. Um, so if you have a Bible, turn, uh, you can turn there or you can open up the Bible app and click on events and find uh, our event, uh, Restoration Church, and uh, you can see the passage there as well on your smartphone if you have the Bible app. But last week we did this, we ha- had uh, Mike and Jen up front uh, here and just uh, available and willing, if you had a word, if you had something that you felt uh, the Lord wanted to speak into the entire body, um, that you could come up and share that with them, and uh, they would test it to see if it's for us today. Because we believe as we gather together, it's not just one person uh, who has a word or a song or any of that, that, that we are a community together where the, the Spirit of the Lord is moving and guiding and uh, giving people words and uh, um, different uh, things to share with all of us. And so if you have something to share with all of us, uh, Kay and Jen are up here in the front. Um, it's not like they decided to move from the back into the front this morning. Uh, they're here for a reason. And so they have a microphone up here. And so if they feel led like your word or whatever you were sharing is for the whole body, um, they will share it uh, with us. And uh, uh, I, we love those, like, frankly, because uh, you never know what the Lord is going to do. Um, last week, Tabitha had a word and uh, got up and shared uh, with us uh, about boldness, uh, boldness in sharing the gospel. And uh, we prayed over one another for boldness um, to share the gospel. And this week on Tuesday, I was talking to a couple different people, and uh, they were telling me about different stories about how they shared the gospel uh, this past week. And uh, they were bold. Like I saw somebody's text that they sent to a friend, and it had Jesus in all capital letters. It's like, you need Jesus. It was a different wording than that. But it's like, I want you to experience the peace that only Jesus can give. And you have to turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus, like all caps. And I was, this person was showing me the text. I'm like, oh my goodness, like that is, that is bold. And I've heard of a couple other conversations that people have had this week where they were talking to somebody and they said, where are you at with Jesus? Not with God, not what church do you go to, where are you at with Jesus? And, um, I was hearing these things, and then I was texting back and forth with my friend Steve in the back, and I said, I am just blown away. And then Steve, who I've known for such a long time, just convicted me and challenged me. He goes, you're surprised that this is happening? We prayed for it on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, that's right. And so that came out of Tabitha's obedience to come up and share the word, and then led to us praying over one another to be filled with boldness to share the gospel. And that wasn't on my radar. That was something that the Lord brought up. And I so admired that. Um, I know I'm up there leading worship again, and it's like, it looks like you're singing a song and preaching the message. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't like doing all of that. Um, But on Friday, the guy that we had uh, signed up to uh, lead worship uh, the last couple weeks, for a couple weeks, uh, his grandma passed away. And he's like, I can't do it this weekend. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, I guess (laughs) guess I'm up. Um, But uh, we like to have everybody uh, engage. And so if you have a word, come up and share it with these guys. I also want to share with you uh, just who we are as a community. And um, I don't, um, I, I hesitated to do this, but just felt like I needed to do this because I um, personally don't like a bunch of words when it comes to like a vision of, of uh, what a community is all about. Um, I like to share pictures. That's like any anytime that I've shared about who we are as a community, I've put up pictures. I haven't put up words. I put like, here's a picture of people praying together. That's who we are. Um, here's a, people, a picture of people going out. That is who we are. Um, but I have just a couple words that I wanted to share with you uh, that are up on the screen. And first of all, we 
are just a community of everyday followers of Jesus. Um, first uh, word is just everyday. Everyday followers of Jesus. Just ordinary people that have encountered the love of Jesus. Now, you might look at me and be like, well, Dave, you went to school, you went to seminary, and all that stuff. I will tell you this, um, just boldly and, and honestly, seminary doesn't transform a heart, only Jesus does. And there were classes that I took at a seminary where I didn't have to open up the Bible to pass. Um, and so, at the end of the day, I look at that word where it says everyday, ordinary uh, followers of Jesus, and that's who we are. We have encountered the love of Jesus, and we have been wrecked. Like Acts 4 says, uh, they were astonished and amazed because they looked at Peter and John, and they were unschooled, ordinary people, but they had been with Jesus. They encountered Jesus. And so I look at all of, all of us, and we're just everyday people, ordinary people who have encountered Jesus. But there's something beautiful that happens as we come together. And there's a couple reasons why we come together. And it's this next word. Um, second word is to be equipped. To be trained up. To go out and to share the gospel. To go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. A couple weeks ago, Cece shared about a situation that Piper found herself in. Uh, praying with her team. And uh, Piper, because of uh, every week coming together and praying together, has equipped her and equipped others to go and pray for people. And so when a need arises, you, you don't think like, well, I'll pray for you. I'll go to my house and pray or I'll pray silently. No, you put a hand on a person and you pray. And so we want to be a people who are equipped to go out. But also, as we're equipped and we go out, we get beat up a little bit and we can get discouraged. And so every time we come together, this is a room full of believers, and I fully recognize that some uh, may not be believers, but this is primarily a group of believers that want to be equipped, but the next word is encouraged. Because you can get down. You can, uh, the burdens of life can weigh you down, and you can have a horrible week, and to come together with people who know you, who love you, um, our desire is to encourage one another, to be like, hey, here Monday's starting tomorrow. Go out into the community and continue to share the love of Jesus. But also, the next word, we're re we recognize that it's not our own strength that does it, but we are an empowered group of people empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why I pray regularly Acts 4 over all of us, over my life, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that he would fill us with all boldness, that as we go out, we would share the gospel of Jesus Christ and signs and wonders would follow all for his glory. Like we want to be a people that are empowered because what you all are doing could never happen in the natural. It has to be a supernatural move of God in us and through us, and that only happens as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. But what is our desire our desire is to go from this place and to lead people into an encounter with Jesus. That's what it's all about. Only Jesus transforms a heart. So we want to be people who lead people into an encounter with Jesus. And so whether you are sitting with a friend who's a believer at a coffee shop, I don't want them to encounter you. I want them to encounter Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you're talking to somebody who's a non-believer, I want them to see Jesus in you. If you're going into the jails, I don't want them to see, you know, just people coming from a church doing a couple of nice things. I want them to see Jesus in you and for you to lead them into an encounter with Jesus because only an encounter with Jesus will transform a heart. I mean, that's what happens with all of us. We encounter the love of Jesus and we were wrecked. And so we want to be a people who are just everyday ordinary people who are equipped who are encouraged, who are empowered to go out and lead people into an encounter with Jesus, all for his glory. And we're seeing that. But I know that as we do that, as we be a people who are doing that, the enemy is going to rise up. 
the enemy is going to want to distract us. And I've seen just a, a, a number of ways that uh, the enemy has, has risen up. To, um, one way, you know, people, um, I think uh, the enemy wants us to get comfortable or complacent and just be, kind of, be like, yeah, we're kind of just good. We're kind of good in life and kind of coast. I've um, seen you know, areas of compromise in uh, people's lives, you know, a sin creep in, I've seen conflict uh, in relationships. Um, all of that, like, that, we just have to recognize that if we are stepping out in mission, a family that is on mission for the glory of Jesus, the enemy will rise up, and we just need to be aware of that. Not, we don't have to be afraid of that, but we're just aware that he is going to rise up and uh, try to get us off track. And so that's why we pray uh, for protection and pray uh, over us on a regular basis. And so this morning, I want us to look at an encounter that somebody had with Jesus. And uh, I put this out there this morning that I believe the individual that we see in John chapter 20 gets a bad rap. Um, he's known as Doubting Thomas, um, but at the end you'll, you'll see, I don't think we should call him Doubting Thomas. Um, in John 20, I'm going to start reading at verse 19. Uh, this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. Side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. They have forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. We'll get into the, the part about receiving the Holy Spirit in a couple weeks um, when we talk about uh, that at the, the end of Luke. Um, but here is a, an amazing encounter. The first day, Jesus rose from the dead, and he goes to his disciples, and he kind of appears to them. The doors are locked, and he says, peace be with you. Here I am. And uh, they, if you remember, they uh, didn't believe when they heard that Mar Mary come and, and share that Jesus had risen from the dead. And so they saw Jesus face to face. They had an encounter. They're like, wow, he is alive. He's risen. Uh, we see him. We're touching his hands. See the holes in his hands. We're touching his side. All of that. This is quite the encounter that the disciples had with Jesus, and their disbelief turned to belief. Then it says in verse 24, we're introduced to our main character this morning. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Like, what a phrase, was not with them. Like, we see on social media, like, places that people have been and, and different activities that people are a part of, and we're like, oh, I wish I was there. And you, we read this, like, my heart breaks for Thomas. If there's ever a moment to miss out, like, this is a moment. Like, dude, you should have been there. Where was he? What was, uh, did he have a better offer? Like, why wasn't he with the other disciples? We're, we're not given that information, but Thomas wasn't there. And your heart kind of breaks for Thomas. He's like, you missed out, dude. Like, this was an amazing thing. He came into the room. He just kind of appeared, and he was there. And we touched his hands and touched his side. And uh, Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him in verse 25, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. 
Now, this little interaction, this little statement that Thomas said is why people call him Doubting Thomas. Now, there's other things that Thomas said. If you go back to John 11, and we won't uh, go back to that story, but it's the time that Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus is out with the disciples, and they hear that Lazarus was sick, and they're like, we should go, we should go uh, be with him. Um, And Jesus kind of waits, and there's a couple days, and Lazarus passes away, and then Jesus is like, we're going to go see Lazarus, and he's going to be risen from the dead. And uh, uh, Thomas, before they go, says like, well, I guess we're going to Judea to die with Jesus. I mean, that's something that that Thomas said. He said, I guess we're going to um, Judea to die with Jesus. And in that tone, you hear a sense of commitment from Thomas. Like, this guy was committed to Jesus. Like, I guess we're going, and I guess we're going to die with him. Like, there's a commitment that Thomas had. But then also, there was a time when Jesus was talking about going away to the Father. He says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And he's talking about going and in the whole room thing and preparing a place uh, for us. And Thomas, you know, asks a question. He's like, where are you going? We don't, show us the way, like, and then we'll go. And he asks that question for clarification. And then Jesus responds to him. And he says, I am the way. I am the truth. Um, and that's just all because of Thomas's question. And so Thomas gets this reputation because of John 20, verse 25, that, that he didn't believe. He questioned. He's like, I need to see the hand, his hands firsthand. I need to see his side for myself. Thomas, I feel, just spoke out what others were feeling. Because all the disciples didn't believe as well. When Mary came, or when the two came who met Jesus on the road to Emmaus, Thomas just spoke out and he says, no, I want to see it firsthand. And so I believe that Thomas is labeled unfairly as doubting Thomas. Thomas just is like, I want to see it for myself. Thomas was being real. Thomas was being honest. He goes, I want my own personal encounter with the living Christ, with Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's what we all need. We all need a personal encounter with Jesus. And it begins with a heart that is honestly seeking after Jesus. I think in Thomas's heart, there was this desire. He's like, I want to see him. I, I don't believe because I haven't seen him. I need to have this personal encounter. Now, a little word about doubt. When it comes to doubt, I think there are, uh, there's good doubt and there's doubt that can be destructive. A doubt that can be destructive is if you look at at Scripture and you're like, I don't believe this is the Word of God. I don't believe the promises that are in here are for me. I don't believe this is the character of God. If we have a heart that's doubting in that way, it's going to cause us to be complacent and to keep God at arm's length. But there is a doubt that is constructive, not destructive, that we see in Thomas's life. Thomas is like, I need to see it firsthand. There's this seeking that is rising up, and he's being real, and he's like, I want to see Jesus for myself. We know that God rewards those who honestly seek after him. And so in this statement that Thomas made, I believe is this real desire that he wanted to see Jesus, that he was seeking after him. Are your questions, are your, is your doubt, is your wrestling Is it leading you to seek God, or are they causing you to be complacent? In the wrestling that you have with the Lord, is it causing you to be complacent, or is it causing you to drop on your knees and seek after God? I was talking with Hayden this week. Levi had a friend, Hayden, who uh, 
he met over in Africa who works with Overland. And Hayden was sharing his testimony. And he came to faith in Jesus Christ a couple years ago, and he was reading through the Gospel of John. But he got to a point where he's like, okay, I see what it's saying about Jesus. But then he was hearing about all of these miracles. And he's like, asked, he asked a friend, he goes, have you ever seen a miracle? Have you ever seen somebody healed? Have you ever seen what is written in this book? Hayden was one who wanted to see it for himself. And this friend of his didn't really answer the question or didn't go into other stories, just said, why don't you come to Africa and you'll see. Hayden went to Africa, went on an expedition, and saw for himself the miraculous. His seeking heart, his heart that wanted to see Jesus for himself, led him to go all the way to Africa so that he could have a personal encounter with Jesus. That's the kind of doubt that is constructive, not destructive. One that says, I need to see Jesus and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I believe that we, as followers of Jesus, need to constantly be real and constantly have this heart that is seeking Jesus to say, I need to see for myself. We can't live on other people's encounters. We have to have our own personal encounter on a regular basis with the living Christ. And it starts with us being real. That's why I love what John shared. Like, he's like, we're a mess. Well, in the mess, in the grief, in the difficulty of life, it causes us to fall on our knees and to seek Jesus. Are you being real with Jesus that leads you to honestly seeking him? Like, the past couple months, if I'm honest, Cece would be honest for me, it's been a struggle. Where's my microphone? <laughs> it's been a struggle. You know, there's, um, there's, it's, as, how do I say this? People have made choices to go worship other places. And we are all part of the same body. And I believe that 100% with my mouth. I believe that. You know, I believe that. We're a bunch of McDonald's. We just have different locations. And they come and they'll say, like, look, say things like, you know, we're going over here um, because of the needs of our family, which I get, like, go, go whatever. Like, I, I don't want to um, blame them at all. I did, it, it hurts because they would say, oh, we love Restoration Church. We love what Restoration Church is all about. We love what we're seeing here. We love the messiness and the, the brokenness and, and people coming and finding healing and hope in Jesus. We absolutely love what's going on. And I'm like, but you're going over here. And I take that personally, and I'm just like, there's a wrestling inside of me. And even the questions that we've had about where do we worship and what's the next step for us? Where do we go? Like all of those questions cause me to wrestle and to be real with the Lord. But the thing that I have found, and it hasn't always been pretty, and Cece can attest to this, like in the struggling and in the frustration, the one that I've always found to be consistent and faithful is Jesus. That he meets with me and he puts my heart back together and is putting my heart back together and saying, hey, take one more step, one more day. But it all begins with me coming to Jesus and saying, life stinks. There's other words that I throw in there. Life stinks. Life is hard, but I am here. And that's what I admire about Thomas. And there's a little principle that we're going to see in the next little verse that is absolutely powerful. Look at uh, where it goes from here. It says, eight days later, in verse 26, one week later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. 
That is absolutely huge. Thomas was with them. Thomas didn't just say, oh, I missed it. I blew my opportunity. No, he showed up again. He showed up one week later, and he was with the disciples. He didn't bail, and I think too often it is, it is easy just to be like, you know what, the Lord disappointed me. Life isn't turning out how I wanted uh, it to turn out. There's frustration, there's pain, and so I'm done. But here Thomas demonstrated something completely different. He was with them. He showed up one week later. It is so important to show up over and over and over again to be in community, to not go through life by yourself. The enemy wants you and I to be isolated, for you and I to get this pity party going on in our head and our minds, and not be in community to walk with other believers who will challenge us and comfort us in our time of need. Thomas showed up, and I absolutely love that. He was there again. It says, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. But then he said, verse 27, he said, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I love that Jesus doesn't blast Thomas for being real. He noticed how kind and caring and patient he is. He doesn't rebuke him. He just says, here I am. He doesn't reject him. He says, no, put your, put your hand on my hands. Put your hand in my side. I heard the cry of your heart, which is interesting because Jesus wasn't even there, but he heard and he showed up and he said, Thomas doesn't even ask him what he wants. He says, here I am. I see you. I know you. Put your hands in my side. I am real. Believe. I love that heart of Jesus. Jesus moves towards Thomas. This is the heart of God towards you and me. It's the story of the prodigal son. God is always moving towards his people. And then Thomas's response, and he says this, my Lord and my God. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. A little side note, you should underline this verse in your Bible, because this is a verse that you can open when those Jehovah Witnesses come knocking at your door at the wrong time, and they want to strike up a conversation, this is a verse that you show them because they do not believe, Jehovah Witnesses do not believe, that Jesus is God. And they discount the divinity of Jesus. They say he was just a son, a firstborn son, firstborn over a creation, and don't believe that Jesus is God. But look at Thomas's response. He answered him, my Lord and my God. My God, you are supreme. You are creator. You are the sustainer of life. And Jesus doesn't tell him he got it wrong. Unlike other places in scripture where people start to worship um, the disciples and they're like, no, no, don't worship us. Get, like, get up. We're just man. Jesus didn't do that with Thomas. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Jesus, you are God. But Thomas said, my Lord, which is something that I don't think we, refer, we say often enough. Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my master. You are the one who, who's in control. You're the one who, like, he bought a field and, and owns a field. And so whatever you say goes, you are Lord. I've too often heard the phrase that uh, Jesus is my Savior, but not my Lord. Or even people would refer to time in their life when, yeah, Jesus was my Savior, but uh, he wasn't my Lord. Which doesn't make any sense at all. 
Because Jesus is being Lord, it's like it's his kingdom and it's his way. And so we're saying like, we, Jesus, we want, if we're saying that Jesus is my Savior and not my Lord, we're saying we want your kingdom, we want the benefits of your kingdom, but we don't want you. And that doesn't make any sense. Jesus has to be Lord. His ways are the ways, his ways go. And so often we're like, no, Jesus, you're my Savior, my rescuer, but I'm not going to surrender to you. And, and Thomas says, you are my Lord and my God. I will give everything to you. I surrender wholeheartedly to you because I encountered you. In your life, have you surrendered completely to Jesus? Is there an area of your life where you haven't surrendered to Jesus, where you're holding tightly to something and you're like, nah, I don't want this to go in my life. Have you surrendered all to Jesus? goes on and we'll finish this up. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God, verse 29, and Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in the book, in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's all about belief. The Gospel of John is writing and sharing these stories so that we would believe. Believe without seeing. And Jesus is saying, he's talking about us in this room. Blessed are those accepted by God. Blessed are those who see, who who haven't seen, but yet believe. And what is belief? Belief is going all in on Jesus. Belief is saying, you are God. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. My whole life is devoted to you. I am consumed with you. I'm not just adding you to my life. You are my life. I'm completely devoted to you. And that's what happened with Thomas. Thomas went from saying, ah, okay, I doubt, whatever, you know, whatever label there we want to put on him, to being completely devoted to Jesus. Because history shows, tradition shows that Thomas the rest of his life, he went to India to share the gospel with people, to share the gospel to the people of India, and was killed by a king who didn't believe in Jesus. Thomas died a martyr's death. He gave everything to following Jesus. So I look at Thomas not as doubting Thomas, but devoted Thomas, no matter what life threw his way, because he had an encounter with Jesus. I think that's the thing that I want us to hear this morning, is are we having an ongoing encounter with Jesus that transforms us every single day? Or are we relying on an encounter we had back in college? Are we relying on an encounter we had 10 years ago? Are we relying on an encounter we even had a week ago? Jesus wants to encounter us on a regular basis, walk in relationship with us. Look at what he did with Thomas. Here I am. Jesus says that to us every single day. Here I am. What are we going to do today? The invitation from Jesus is, come, all who are weary, all who are heavy burden, I will give you rest. Jesus says, hey, come follow me. Like as the Father has you know, sent me, I'm sending you. He wants to walk in relationship with you. Are we having, are you having a regular encounter with the living Christ where you're reminded of his love and reminded of what he's called you to. Let's pray.